Yeah, the reason why I made that move or decided to make that change is a, a, a like you mentioned it right now, as long as you have internet, you could do anything remotely. So you don't even need to be physically in an office. Are you a real estate investor looking to sharpen your skills or a newbie looking to become one? You're in the right place. Welcome to Where Should I Invest? Real Estate Investing in Canada with your host, Sarah Larby. Hey, welcome back. It is Sarah Larby. You are listening to Where Should I Invest? Today, we have Ross Nadei, who is a real estate investor, realtor, and also a YouTube host, hosting his own real estate investing show. So check that out as well. We have a great conversation about how he got started originally by buying a pre-construction condo in Toronto and how he scaled up from there. So a great story, but Ross also has an awesome show where he's got lots of tidbits on real estate investing and interviews a really wide range of awesome investors as well. So check that out. And other than that, guys, I hope everyone is doing well. Obviously, from a real estate investor standpoint, the elections didn't necessarily turn out how we were hoping, but we got to make the most of it and we've got to move forward. So on that note, let's bring in Ross. I hope that you guys enjoy the podcast and don't forget to leave a rating and review and uh, reach out to me if you have any questions at sarah at sarahlarby.com. Ross, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm well. Thanks for having me, Sarah. It was a pleasure being here. I'm excited to have you. I, I think we met on Instagram. Yes. So I don't think we, we, we've met in, in uh, person, but we've met on Instagram. I liked a lot of your stories. You're, you're posting a lot of the stuff that you're currently doing, and that's how we started talking. So give us a little bit of background on how you got started in real estate investing. Yeah, absolutely. We'll, we'll love to, uh, as I mentioned, it's an honor being here. Uh, it's funny, I was listening to your podcast when I started the, the entire journey. So it's good to be actually be at the podcast and sharing my journey. A little bit of background about me, uh, essentially how I got started in real estate was uh, back in 2013, I started with uh, a pre-construction condo. At that time, I didn't know too much about you know the whole uh, rental market and how you could burr and all these other uh, methods that are out there. Just like anyone else, you know, I, I, for majority of people, I came as a, you know, uh, immigrant, torn, uh, war-torn country, actually, I should say. So I came with my parents. We, we started from a, basically from nothing. The whole idea was to get educated, start in the corporate world, and, and climb the ladder. That was essentially what I was striving for. But over time, I realized, you know what, There's, there has to be a better method. There has to be a better way to, uh, to move up and scale up. I want to retire myself and I want to retire my parents eventually. I mean, corporate alone wasn't going to cut it. So I started looking for other options out there. Real estate obviously always comes up. And I feel like a lot of folks, when they search just them one thing, it, has always, it had always been something in the back of my mind, but I never really understood how it works. And saving up is a big, the biggest challenge for many people. Um, so this condo came across. Uh, a buddy of mine told me about it. And it, the plan was about $500 a month you had to pay. Uh, $2,500 was a down payment, believe it or not, on signing, which was wow. unbelievable. I had just graduated from university. I was like, I'm sold. I didn't even know where it was located. I didn't care where it was. I'm like, $500 a month, I can afford that. Let's get it going. So did it, <laughs> did it end up actually being a good deal at the end of the day? Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. So it did take a little bit of time for it to be built. Uh, it is a waterfront condominium in Toronto, in Etobicoke Park Lawn uh, region. And fair enough, by the time it was built, I was able to um, pull a you know HELOC out of it. And that's what's been helping me now take it to the next level. And I've been able to uh, purchase additional investment properties. So my very first rental investment was back in November of 2020. So very recently, like about six months ago, mm -hmm. where I, I purchased a property 
And this is my best one yet. It's, it was a home run, essentially. Okay, cool. Uh, so I do want to dissect it, but but before we get into all that good stuff, so you, you bought a pre-construction sure. condo, made the payments monthly, I guess, until you had enough to satisfy the the, the financing. Did you close on that condo? Um, yeah, absolutely. Close on it, and then and then did you move into it or did you, you rent it? Good question. Yeah, so it, it turned out to be my primary residence. I'm actually living there currently. So uh, okay. what I did was I closed on it, moved in there, and then decided to just pull a refinance on it, so a, a line of credit. Mm-hmm. And from that, I've been able to leverage that money to then go out there and, and purchase additional units. Very cool. I mean, that's, that's a great way for people to get started, right? As if they have equity in their current homes rather than having to save and save and save enough. Do you mind if I ask like how much equity you had to get started in, in, in terms of like actually investing and doing the other strategy? Yeah. So I wasn't even expecting it to be that high, right? So like I, the pre-construction condo, this was back in 2013. I purchased, I bought it for about 400000 And uh, right now the condominium in the market is about worth six. 650. When they appraised it, they came at 630 uh, was a while back. But basically, I was able to pull a line of credit of about $175,000 right there. So I was able to then play around with the $175,000 to purchase additional properties and use it for renovations and so forth. All right. So you went from pre-construction to it sounds like the Burr strategy. You know, why did you go that route instead of going and doing another pre-construction? Yeah, pre-construction is great. I love that you brought that up, especially for folks that are looking to start. Uh, when When you don't have too much capital, I think it's a good way to segment, especially if, if the builders have some sort of payment plan in place for you so you can spread it out over time. I think it's a great uh, starting point. But the reason why I didn't want to go into pre-construction again is because it's, it's one of those strategies where you have to just sit and wait. And rather than sitting and, and waiting, I wanted to just start building uh, you know, a, a portfolio of equity and properties and so forth. And then that's when I discovered basically the Burr method where you can essentially pull everything out and do it over and over again. And I'm like, this, this can't be real. <laughs> I need to do this. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So, okay. So uh, just, just to, to date uh, this, because some people would be listening to this maybe two years down the road, even can you share, so what year did you buy your next, your second investment property or your first, I should say, you know, actually true investment property that you're not going to live on. This is 2020. Right. This was in November, 2020. Yep. All right. November, 2020 mid pandemic. Yes. You know, what was, what were you experiencing in your mind? You know, were you excited? Were you fearful? Were you oh, for you know, sure? Some of the stuff that was going through your mind at that point in time when you're like, I'm just going to go ahead and buy something else. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so uh, for me, again, living in Toronto, um, the property that I bought is actually in Fort Erie, so it's long ways from where I live. <laughs> so it was absolutely, you know, um, uh, critical for me to know what I'm getting myself into, and it was very nerve wracking, right? Because um, I'm. Uh, basically investing outside of my area of expertise, right? I didn't know anything about the market beforehand, but I knew I had to take action. I think we, we always say that, right? It's like, you can sit there, analyze deals over and over again, but you have to pull the trigger. And I, I looked over probably 10 properties until I found this one. So I did do my analysis. I did do my homework. I spoke with local investors in the region to get an idea whether this is a good deal or not before, you know, putting my money on the line. And I ended up purchasing essentially a multifamily. I figured multifamily will be the best uh, way for me to proceed and then build my portfolio just because you're, you're not tie, you know, reliant on one tenant paying your bill, right? You have three units essentially mm-hmm. uh, and you can spread the risk and uh, of course increase the cash flow. And yeah, you're right. It was during pandemic and people were thinking, oh, you know what? The market's going to crash. This is going to happen. I, 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 just, I just stuck by the numbers, you know? So um, I got a really great deal. I could not refuse, right? It was listed actually for 420 at the time. Um, I originally had missed out on the deal because it was sold conditionally. Uh, I overlooked it a couple of times because it, it, it is a little, looks a little bit run down from the outside, but insides were, were completely renovated. And 
most importantly, two out of the three units were, were being uh, uh, given to you vacant. So it's vacant okay. possession. And that was, in Ontario is a great thing because you can, you can pick your own tenants and you can reset your own rents. Absolutely, absolutely. It's, it's very easy for you to, you know, uh, be selective of who you, you place there. And of course, set up market rents, which will help with the cash flow. So long story short, I basically got it under $330,000 instead okay. of the 420. So I got $90,000 off the purchase price. So, so why, did, why did they give you 90 grand off? Like, were they in an urgent, you know, situation where they had to sell? Like, did you know why you got it so far below market? Yeah, good question. So what I did was like, I, I went in there and analyzed the property. Um, I'm a realtor myself, right? So I went in there, um, I did the market research. I knew it, the asking was a little too, too much than you know, what it's worth. In my head, I thought 350 was still a good deal. But when I went in, I checked out there were the upstairs units uh, was still tenanted. So they still needed some sort of renovations. So I calculated all the you know, issues and things I need to uh, basically replace or renew. And I took that to the bargaining table and then discussed that with the, with the sellers to say, you know what? No, I'm going to have to spend X amount of dollars to get it to where I want it to be. And this is what I think it's, it's worth. And before I did that, Sarah, I, I was actually even nervous because I'm like, I don't want them to turn me away to be like, okay, buzz off. Like you're, you're, you're asking too much. Uh, so I consulted uh, with, with one of uh, the investors, Sean Rea, actually. And uh, I, we ran the numbers and he's like, you know what? Why don't you just ask? Like, what's the worst thing that can happen? I'm like, you're right. I'm going to just throw in 330. And funny enough, even the agent was shocked that the seller actually accepted it. <laughs> That's awesome. Now, you said you asked a lot of questions to the seller. Was this through the agent directly the or agent. the seller? Okay. Through okay. the agent, okay. yeah. I wasn't sure if you had a chance to speak to the seller directly. No, I wish. That would be the, so much easier, but that doesn't happen in, in this world. <laughs> <laughs> All right, cool. So you got this property under contract for, uh, for what? How much was 330, it? 330? Right. So 330, two units vacant, which yeah. is awesome. Uh, in Fort Erie, and you are a realtor, so you're able to essentially, you know, do a little bit of, of your own back end, you know, digging and, and looking at comps and that kind of stuff, which I'm sure right. is awesome. Uh, so you, you got it. And then how did you, because this is your first, your first one, right? How did you piece your team together, your contractors and, you know, and, and figure out what you were going to do with this this three-unit property that you just yeah. Acquired. So with this one, I, I felt a little bit at ease just because the renovations on two out of the three were already done. Upstairs was tenanted, so I couldn't really do anything till you know there's a tenant turnover. But through networking, right? Like I started reaching out to folks that are in the Niagara region. Uh, there's a ton of Facebook groups, there's a ton of meetups, and so forth. So even before I invested in there, I knew few people, right? So then it's all you know word of mouth. Hey, who do you know in terms of uh, a good contractor? Oh, do you know a plumber? Mm -hmm. Do you know an electrician? So having that sort of network and having those people around you is very critical. And I did have, you know, a great mortgage agents that I work with. So they kind of told me, you know, what to expect in terms of closing costs, uh, how much I can appraise uh, the, the property for, how much value it's going to bring to the table and so forth. So again, all these little homework you have to do beforehand, right? And I did have that uh, sort of network already set up before I took that action. All right. Awesome. All right. So, so what did you end up doing with this triplex? I still currently hold it. So this is going to be something I'm going to be sitting on for, for quite some time. I'm actually in the midst of renovating the upstairs unit. This is currently the um, vacant. Mm -hmm. I'll be uh, planning on house hacking myself, actually. So okay. the goal here is, yeah, renovate it. It will be turned uh, over uh, completely after renos sometime this mid-month. Uh, right now we're sitting in April. So mid-May is essentially when I'm going to get it refinanced. So I'll be able to pull essentially all my money out plus some more and basically live there for free house hack and save some money so I can get other investment properties. And now we're going to take a quick break to hear from one of our sponsors. 
Hey everyone, I just wanted to pause and share with you a financing tip that helped me scale my portfolio and can also help you as well. By working with Streetwise Mortgages, I took a strategic goals-based versus a transactional approach to financing, and they've helped me develop a financing roadmap that aligned with my goals and gave me some crystal clear clarity on where the money will come from to grow, how to maximize my borrowing power, how to structure future deals and avoid some costly mistakes, saving me thousands along the way. The financing roadmap is complimentary for every client who works with Streetwise and also very recently they've offered an additional summary report of the best to invest 18 Ontario markets and also a comprehensive deep dive research into a market of your choice out of those 18. I highly recommend that you take them up on that offer. If you're looking to grow your portfolio, to book a planning session and develop your financing roadmap, email info at streetwisemortgages.com. That is info at streetwisemortgages.com. Thanks for listening. And now back to the show. And now back to the show. So you're going from Toronto and you're, I mean, I guess, you know, everything's online virtual more yeah. so now than ever. Um, yeah. you're a realtor, but you're going from Toronto to, to Fort Erie. Is that, is that something that you've, you've always wanted to do? Know that you were doing or kind of just fell into place that way? Yeah. The reason why I made that move or decided to make that change is a, a, a like you mentioned it right now, as long as you have internet, you could do anything remotely. So you don't even need to be physically in an office space or anything like that. Like my wife, she works in an office and so forth. So we're basically remote now, which is phenomenal. And secondly, because I service Niagara, I'm there literally every weekend. So if, for me, it's going to be even closer for work uh, where I can service my clients and, you know, I'll pick up some mark, uh, off market deals and so forth. So the goal is there to expand and grow that business there. So being presently at, at the, at the city or the region will be a, a huge improvement and a, a huge help for me, of, of course. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you being a realtor for your clients as well, right? So you can kind of zip out and take a quick look at the property. So essentially you're going to live in one unit, you're going to rent out the other ones. Have you, have you factored in like, are you breaking even living for free? Are you cash flowing a little bit? Like, what does that look like with you in one of the units? You know? Yeah. I, again, because I got at such a great uh, rate and the, and the market mm -hmm. rents are uh, really great in Niagara region. Even with me living there, I'm probably going to, probably going to spend maybe $300 out of my pocket just for uh, utilities and whatnot. Mm -hmm. uh, but the mortgage, everything else is already paid for like by the, by the, my tenants living there. So uh, even after refi, I'm still going to cash flow somewhat. If I take my expenses out of that equation, then I'm basically just breaking even or I'm cash flowing about $100 still on top. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that's awesome. What, what, uh, what renos, you're talking about refi, what renos have you, uh, have you done with the triplex? Yeah. So uh, put in some new uh, kitchen cabinets. Um, I've basically redone the washroom completely, retiled it, new bathroom, uh, new, uh, new vanity, new, new bathtub, new shower. Um, we moved the laundry. The laundry used to be uh, in a quite little weird area. It was in the kitchen corner. We moved that, put it in like a little corner in a, in a storage area. Uh, so that's sealed off. Uh, it has two bedrooms upstairs as well. So one of the ceilings was like a laughing plaster. So I completely knocked that down, put drywall. We're going to be putting pod lights. So it's going to completely look brand new. It's going to be a little more modern than what it was before. And I'm very excited because once that's done, it's going to be a completely different uh, uh, unit than it was previously. Awesome. And what are you expecting for your after repair value? Right now in the market, uh, I'm looking at at least 500000 right now. Okay. All right. And how much, how much did you spend in total on the renos or what are you estimating if it's not done yet? Yeah. Overall, uh, I think with the, again, general maintenance over the years that so there were some, you know, uh, minor things I had to do as well, like some plumbing issues and whatnot. So I think overall I'll, I'll probably be spending around $10,000 in renovations. It's not a lot. So you bought it for 330, 10 grand of renos 
And your ARV was how much? What do you say? Five something? 500. 500. Well, yeah. that's, that's pretty good. So you're going to be taking that cash yeah. uh, and recycling it essentially into, uh, into another property. Have you found your, your next one or are you still looking? Always looking, Sarah. I have few that I'm looking into getting under contract actually. So I, I didn't stop there, right? Immediately, I, you know, after this, I purchased two more triplexes okay. in Sarnia. <laughs> oh, nice. oh, okay. Awesome. Awesome. So you got two triplexes in Sarnia and where are those at in the process? Yeah, so those ones are also uh, under construction currently. So I was able to um, get vacant possession. When I purchased it, it was with tenants, but I was able to negotiate with the uh, previous tenants there to get cash for keys. So the whole triplex is currently uh, sitting empty and I have my uh, contractors currently renovating it. So that one was a bigger project than this, of course. Mm-hmm. But I did, again, I, I purchased it at such a great uh, value. Um, I purchased this one in particular for $160,000. Wow. Okay, cool. So ARV you're estimating to be what? ARV, $350. $350. And how much are, in rentals are you thinking of spending? It would be about uh, 60000 rentals. Okay. All right. So still uh, good for, uh, you know, budget for, for rentals, especially in, in COVID where the pandemic yeah. jacked up all the prices of everything. Yeah. And then how did you find your contractors? Like, how did you uh, figure out which ones you work with? Yeah, network. I reached out to my to, to folks that I know. Actually, Ben Bergen is another uh, good friend of mine now. Um, reached out to him, got some you know contacts through him, and uh, was able to hire some uh, great contractors currently working on the project. Hence, networking is is key because it's Absolutely. it's who it's who you know, right? That is going to give you these connections to the people to make your life so much easier. So you bought these two. How much was the other one that you bought? That you bought one was one sixty. Yeah. How much was the other one? Yeah, so th- this one was a strange one. That was the owner was offloading three properties that were right beside each other. So there was two triplexes, and then in the right in the middle was a, a duplex. The triplex one was listed for two hundred. The other one was listed for one seventy. In the middle was the duplex was two hundred. So I ended up getting the triplex for one ninety, and the other triplex for one sixty. So I negotiated about ten k off each of those asking prices. The other one is fully uh, tenanted right now, and um, I'm in the midst of also looking into separating the hydrometers, so at least I can change mm-hmm. that uh, a little bit and offload some of the cost. But as is right now, that property is cash flowing about three hundred as is. All right, cool. So essentially, you you got the one triplex vacant. Can I ask? And you got cash for keys. Can I ask what the tenants were paying before you got them out? Sure. Yeah. So upstairs was about uh, seven ninety. Uh, the upstairs unit was a, a single bedroom. Downstairs was about eight hundred, and that one was a, a two bedroom, a bigger space. It was a family living there, and the basement was also about eight hundred. Okay. Now just in comparison, like what's market rents? Like now that they're gone, like, you know, let's just do the mm-hmm. same thing upstairs, middle basement. What are you looking to, uh, to get in rent for each of those units now that you can reset it? Yeah, for sure. So um, once I'm done renovating them, once they're going to look like spectacular, I think I could easily get 1100 upstairs mid uh, the main floor, I think about 12 to 1300. And then the basement probably about 900. Okay. So huge, huge lift. And what's your expected cash flow after, you know, after you're completed refinanced and everything? I don't know if you had the time to take a look at that, but if, uh, if you wouldn't mind sharing, that'd be amazing. Just so people get an idea. For sure. For sure. Um, I'm projecting around three to $500 easily. I haven't done the full math, but I think once I full, uh, fully recover because the mortgage rate is so low, it's, it's minimal. I think I'm looking at at least 500 a month, I would say conservatively. Okay. Per triplex. Per triplex. Per triplex. Okay. All right, cool. And that's after the, the refinance. And are you expecting to pretty much get your whole down payment and rental back or a portion of it? 
Yeah, no, this one will be a full, yeah, it'll be a full burr. So I'll be able to pull out all my money out of these two properties. Oh, congrats. I mean, you're, you're, you know, you're starting, but you're, you're kicking ass, right? Like you're doing awesome <laughs> right from the start. So that, uh, that is great. And, you know, obviously this is a, this is an uptrend market. So the market's on our side, but you, you, it sounds like you're still planning around the cash flow regardless. So if things do happen, yeah. you're still cash flowing, which is important. And I want to go back to cash for keys because it's not always as easy as we make it sound. Yeah. We also have to just understand that there's like a bunch of legalities around asking for something vacant, mm-hmm. especially in, in an area like Ontario, where you know, you know, you might have a something similar where you are, but in order, so, so in order to get something vacant, it's not always as black and white. It's not as easy, but can you walk us through like your story and how you worked around, around that to make sure that like it was done as well as possible? Yeah, absolutely. We'd love to. Uh, this one was actually a pretty difficult uh, story or case, I should say. Um, so I had some tenants uh, that were uh, living in the, in the basement. Uh, I remember the, even the first day when I went to see the property, when, when I was doing like going through the showing, essentially, um, they were complaining. They were, they were just complaining about you know the living situation and how they hated it and so forth. So I knew that they weren't happy, right? So right off the bat, um, whether it was you know the condition that it was at or the landlord wasn't treating them right, you know who knows. So. Right off the bat, I knew that there's, there's an opportunity for me to here come in and try to help them, right? Get to uh, another place and maybe help me uh, get, uh, you know, vacant possession. So I spoke with them and I, I asked them, I'm like, would you be willing to relocate? I understand you're not happy here. You know, I heard you, you were complaining quite a bit. Yeah, they were in the basement. They kept saying, you know, it's really cold in here, even though the, um, air, you know, uh, the temperature was fine, basically, because it's controlled in the main floor. It was like set at 24, like uh, room temperature and so forth. And they said, you know what? Yeah, we may be considering moving somewhere. So I'm like, okay, well, what would that take? What would you like me to help you with? Mm-hmm. They said, well, if you, if you pay, you know, um, two months rent, then we'll be out of here. I'm like, okay, consider it done. They looked at me like, well, how do we know you're going to pay us? I'm like, what do you mean? Like, I'm going to put this in paper. It's going to be on the contract. It's going to be all there. They're like, no, I want the money first. I'm like, I'm sorry. Like, there's no guarantee that I can do that because what if you don't leave tomorrow? Like, I can't work. Uh, with you on, on that deal. So we, we kind of went back and forth. And funny enough, I had an entire conversation with them for two hours. And the next day, they didn't remember the conversation. So it's one of those tenants. <laughs> yeah. Again, it ended up being it, 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 them declining, saying, we're not moving. We want to sit there. I'm like, okay, no problem. Like, I'm not pushing you out. If you want to move, you know, I'm here. Let, let me know. And then randomly, they just called me one day and they said, you know what? We're looking to leave. We want to. We want to. We want to go to Toronto. Can you buy us our our, our um, train ticket? I'm like, okay, I'll take care of that for you too. And then they went on. Oh, can you give us a hotel room? I'm like, guys, listen. <laughs> like, this is not how how it works, right? Like, I'm flexible, but you, you right, can't yeah, just deny me. Yeah. Situation. Right, right. They were trying to take advantage of me, right? So I'm like, no. Like, this is it. This is where it ends. Do you want this deal or not? Right. I just left it at that. And then they called me again a few days later, so saying, okay, like we left. I'm like, what do you mean you left? Like you just vacated the place and just abandoned it? Yeah, they're like, yeah, we did. Like it's yours. I'm like, okay. So I, I sent my property manager. We changed the locks, mm-hmm. the keys and everything. And then a few days later, <laughs> I remember this is February. It's like, it's like, it's freezing cold. And I get a call at midday to say, hey, we can't get in the unit. I'm like, you told me you left. This was three days ago. So I obviously changed the keys. Did you pay them at that point in time already? No, no, no. So okay. they're technically still tenants. They're paying, right? Like there has been no sign agreement whatsoever. 
So I, I told him, I'm like, I'm like, listen, like you told me you left. So I obviously didn't want anybody to walk in the property. It has to be locks have to be changed and so forth. And he goes, no, we're freezing. Like my wife is really sick. Please let us in. Like it's, it's cold. I'm like, I'm like, okay, you know what? Like it is freezing cold. Like I'm like, and I all, have of their, to all of their belongings were out of the place or they were still there. They left everything in there. They just okay. literally put their cats, everything. They just dumped a, a bag of cat food right on top of the bed and they just left. Like, you know, that was it. Yeah, it was one of those, right? So I called my property manager. I'm like, listen, like, she's, she, she was even upset. She's like, are you, are you serious? You can let them back in? I'm like, it's cold. You know what? Like, it's okay. Just let them in, right? But that, Sarah, changed the entire dynamic because they saw that I have a heart. Like, I'm a human being. And when I say something, I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it, right? So that helped me kind of build the trust with them because they, they realized, okay, this guy's not here to just kick me out and he's actually here to help me. Right. So from that point on, I, 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 they, they're like, okay, we'll leave. This time we're going to sign an agreement. Please just make sure that you are able to then help us, you know, leave the premises, drop us off to the goal station. I'm like, yes, I'll, I'll come in at six in the morning. I'll drive at three o'clock from Toronto to get there. I'll drop you at the goal station, no problem. They didn't believe me before, but then they believe me after the fact because they're like, okay, this guy is actually going to come through with, with his, uh, you know, promises. So we end up signing an agreement. We ended up uh, negotiating on one month's rent actually this time. And they ended up, uh, you know, leaving the premises end of month. So. And now we're going to take a quick break to hear from one of our sponsors. Hey guys, just want to take a quick moment and introduce you to a key member of my power team. Dylan Suter is my realtor who's been working very hard to find me amazing deals. And Dylan, I'm a big proponent in working with realtors that are investors. And Dylan is truly an investor. Welcome, Dylan. And thank you so much for being a sponsor. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, I want to first thank you for having us as a sponsor. We're really grateful to be working with you and all of the support you've given us over the past couple of years. So thank you so much for that. And our focus as Elevation Realty is to focus our attention primarily on real estate investors that are looking to replace their active income with a passive income and go enjoy what they like most, such as time with the family or up at the cottage, whatever it may be. So what we do is we focus our attention on creating a plan specific for each client, whether that is something they want to have five properties in five years and be able to sit on them for 10 years and then sell them and retire on the, the equity. Or if they're looking to scale their portfolio and retire in the next 12 months, we can look at doing that as well through joint ventures or Airbnb short-term rentals. We can talk through buildings, buy, renovate, refinance, single family purchases, and the list goes on. That's awesome. Now, Dylan, if people wanted to reach out and get help from you, where can they go? They can check us out online at www.elevationrealty.ca, E-L-E-V-A-T-I-O-N, realty.ca, or they can email us at info at elevationrealty.ca, Give us a call or text at 905-592-4220 or check us out at The Right Club or other meetup groups that we're usually at as well. Amazing. Thank you so much, Dylan. It is awesome working with you as always. And now back to the show. And now back to the show. With, with all their stuff and their cats? They left everything. So I had to get a dump track. Uh, yeah, oh, exactly. The cats had hey, to take to the shelter. Hey, hey, hang on a second. They left their cats too? What kind of tenants are these? Oh man, the worst of the worst. <laughs> wow. I, I thought like they would at least come back for their pets or something. No, the, cat, the cats were left there abandoned. So we took them to, to shelter, right? And then she was upset that we took the cats away. I'm like, what do you mean? You told me you, like, you left the place and you abandoned it. Right? And, you and, pay, and, you, and you got them to sign the N11, correct? 
Correct. Yeah. So, so we got an eleven form is what you sign with a date, and then only at that point in time when they give you the keys and you give them the cash. Like, how did how did you guys do the transfer? Yeah. So uh, in this case, like they, I wasn't there presently, but my property manager was there. So we literally did a video call. <laughs> so mm-hmm. they wanted to see me there. I'm like, I'm there physically. So they print, uh, they signed the paperwork and everything, and we we agreed that once they leave, is I'm gonna pay them the eight hundred dollars, right? So you paid um, them, and then they tried to come back for their cats. No, no, no. So they, when they abandoned it, she was, she was upset that we took the cats to shelter. At that time, when they came back, the cats were gone. Well, where are you supposed to put we the cats? We lost the cats. Well, like, we, where, where are you supposed to like, adopt the cats? That's what I'm saying. They just kind of left it left, right? And then, they, I don't know, they expected me to just pick it up from that point on, right? Like, it was just, it was just a, like a weird situation, right? So yeah, that, that's, I mean, I don't know. I mean, maybe there's some drugs in there. <laughs> yeah. A hundred percent, hundred percent. Like I said, it was, it was good, not good on you to have, cause that could have been a, a huge problem down the road. Like it, it's good that you got them in a spot where they were willing to work with you and live yeah. with you. Cause that sounds like a potential like disaster tenant down the road. Yeah. Yeah. No, for sure. Again, it's unfortunately I had to assume those tenants, right? They would definitely not be my first choice. So those are the, so those are the ones, the first, so the ones that you assumed and then the other two, they were vacant, like they vacated before you took possession. The other two were, uh, the main floor was a family. And, uh, the first day that when I walked in the condition, they kept the place. I think they saw it on my face and they knew that I would want them to leave. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Funny enough, when I, when I told my property manager to go in there just to ask them if they weren't to leave, they had boxes already packed up and ready to go. Wow. So, so they you just got, asked you got lucky. Pay one month's rent. <laughs> yeah. So I got lucky with that one. Yeah. I'm like, sure. I'll pay whatever you need. That was like, how many months rent? So that one, one month. So okay. basically so you they offered them one month. They were already in boxes. They, I mean, they took it. Okay. That's awesome. And what about the last one? Yeah. The, the upstairs, I actually relocated her to one of my other units and the other property when they, one of the unit was vacant, the tenant was leaving and the month. So it worked out very nicely. So I basically gave her accommodations to move her on that unit so that I can get the whole property vacant so I can start renovation. So she was willing now, to, are they come, is that person coming back to that triplex unit? After it's so we agreed that no, she's going to stay where she is. Yeah. She likes where it is and there's no need for her to kind of relocate. Yeah. So that that helped me and helped her. I try to, you know, help her because otherwise she was, she was uh, scrambling to find another place. And I'm like, I'll accommodate you. No problem. Okay. So that, I mean, that, that is nice. Like it's, it's good to have, you know, good landlords and good tenants, uh, to to make sure that everyone works together. So now with her though, did you bring you able to increase her rent going into the new unit? So this one is actually, uh, the unit is uh, still a, a single bedroom. So I, I didn't want to ask her for more because she's under ODSP and government assistance. So I, I, I honored the same like, rate. Like for like. Got it. So exactly. similar yeah. unit and then the same pay. That's right. That's right. Okay. All right. So you got a whole unit. You can put all brand new tenants. You can refinance. Were you expecting the ARV to come back at for, for this triplex that's vacant? Yeah. So this one it, uh Legally, it's registered as a duplex, unfortunately, although it is a triplex that I purchased it. So when, when they do appraisals, right, yeah. uh, they, they're going to appraise it as a duplex. Mm-hmm. So a duplex, I think the, the ARV is around 350 is what I can uh, max push it. And you bought it for um, 160. And I bought it for 160. That's right. Still, still very good numbers. Yeah, yeah. I was trying to do a legal conversion in the basement, but unfortunately, it doesn't meet the uh, ceiling um, requirements, the height requirements. So the city wouldn't pass it unless I was, I was supposed to dig the ground and so forth, which will be extra money. It's no point. Well, and it doesn't make sense in a, in a town like Sarnia, right? Where it's not like Toronto or Oakville, where if you do That's that, right. you know, you will get a lot more lift than, than a city. Yeah, it just wasn't worth it. Exactly. Mm-hmm. 
Cool. So it sounds like you've got some, some really good, you know, really good deals done. What's next for you? Yeah, I'm looking for more. Um, I actually <laughs> closed on uh, a, a partner, a JV agreement with my partner, actually, another duplex in, in St. Catharines. We're closing on it next week. Again, because I, I'm a realtor, I have my eyes and ears in the market. Mm-hmm. So I picked up a great deal on this as well. So we, we uh, picked up a, a duplex in that area. I think the, the, uh, the price range is anywhere from 400 to 420. I got it on the contract for 365. So I made money right on the buy again. And uh, the tenants that are currently living there, even with as is with, without us doing any sort of work, you're looking at cash flow of 350 per month. Okay, sorry, was this on the MLS or off market? This was on the MLS. Yeah. All right. So you're just you're like, what's the if you had to give some somebody listening to this some insights on on how you find these deals that are under market? Like, what are some of the things that you would suggest? Yeah, I think first and foremost, you have to look at the the region, the area. Right. Um, I, I don't know if I, uh, like a, a person who doesn't have the same access points that I do as a realtor can do the same thing. I'm not sure. But essentially, I'm always looking at my, what's happening in the market. Right. Little pockets. Once in a while, you, you're going to find a deal where somebody just puts it under, under value. They don't know what's going on in the market. Right. Or they're, they're motivated to sell it. They want a quick close and they want to out. Right. So whereas mm-hmm. others may want a bidding war to happen. So there's all sorts of things happening in the market. So what I look for is square footage is a very important key aspect for me because that's how the appraisers look at the property when they look at the value dollar for dollar. Um, the bedroom, of course, how many units, right? Is it a two bedroom unit or a three bedroom and so forth? And then location, you have to make sure you don't, you're not buying it somewhere where you're overpaying for something in a bad neighborhood, right? So those things are very important. So I always look out for those and then I negotiate. I think you can say I'm a, pretty good negotiator because I've been able to get some really great deals going on. So I, I try to build a great rapport with the, with the agents and understand where they're coming from and then, you know, create a win-win situation for both. So I don't nickel and dime anybody. I try to create a win-win to uh, have both parties walk away happily. Do you think it helps because you have one less person to go through? So like you're an investor and you're a realtor and then you just can negotiate with them directly versus having to go through a realtor. That yeah. realtor goes through the other realtor, then that then they go to uh, to the seller. So you're kind of eliminating a step. Do you think that's that's a good thing or do you think that could have its challenges along the way too? I would say for me, it's, it's been a blessing. I do love the fact that I can go directly deal with the agent. And I, and it's, it's, I fully disclose that I'm looking to buy for myself. So, you know, I have to do that as part of legality. Mm-hmm. So they, they know. And I think that helps because then they know they can bluff me, right? Like, okay, this person knows the numbers. He knows the area. He knows the market, right? So um, I can kind of get straight to the point to be like, hey, is this worth my spending time on or not, right? Is this worth looking into or not, right? So it doesn't always happen. There has been deals where it's fallen apart and someone has bought over asking and so forth, which is normal. That's crazy market we're in right now. But for the most part, yes, it does help. I feel like for me, it's, that's been my biggest, um, I think, advantage as a realtor has been uh, being able to negotiate directly through, uh, you know, the listing agents versus going through another person. Awesome. All right. That's, that's really cool. Ross, thank you so much. I mean, we can keep talking because there's, there's so much like insight and, and tips that you're sharing and, and thank you for being so open with like your numbers and all that good stuff. But the next part is our lightning round. So Ross, I'm going to give you a series of five questions and sure. everybody gets the same questions. You're going to give the first answer that comes to mind. Are you ready? Let's do it. This week's lightning round is brought to you by Complete Properties. If you need a great property manager to help you in the Niagara, Hamilton, and Burlington markets, reach out to Margaret Cameron at 905-920-7886. She can also be reached at margaret at completepminc.com via email or the website completepropertiesinc.com.
com. All right. So question number one, what is your favorite real estate investing book? Everybody's going to laugh at this rich dad, poor dad, but I know that's the most common one. So I would say slight edge. Slight edge. All right. Very cool. I have not read that one. Oh, really great book. I'll have to add it to the, to the reading list. Number two, I don't know if you are a podcast listener. I'm guessing you are because you mentioned in the beginning and this doesn't have to be real estate specifically, but do you have a favorite podcast? Yeah, absolutely. I, I love the Andrew Hines podcast. I love your podcast and bigger podcasts, of course. I think bigger podcasts is the biggest platform. I know it's American, but uh, it does have a lot of great content to, to get, start, get started. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Number three, what do you do for fun aside from real estate? For me, oh, real estate is 24-7 for me, but uh, I would say my passion is also um, uh, sports and uh, basketball, I would say. So I'm a big basketball fan. All right. Very cool. Number four, if you lost all of your money, all of your assets tomorrow, how would you start again? Oh, that's a good question. I, I, I think it, if I lost everything, I think I would still be able to build because once you have the knowledge, I think it's, it's not difficult to rebuild, right? So as long as you can show somebody the numbers, the return on their investment, I think I could get back on my feet and get an investing. I may not have the money myself, but I could definitely be the, 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 the partner, the, uh, the active partner in finding the deals and negotiating and getting tenants in and so forth. So I don't think it'd be a problem. All right. And last question, if somebody has $50,000 and they want to get started, what do you recommend they do with that money? $50,000 to invest in real estate? For anything. I, this is why it's an open-ended question. Good question. Uh, I love real estate. I think real estate is the safest bet you can make in terms of investing. So I would say definitely put it in, in, uh, in a real estate. You could definitely do stocks if you feel comfortable. Unfortunately, that's not my area of expertise. I stay away from that. But if you're looking for something for a quick return, um, you could private lend if you want, if you don't want to deal with tenants or anything like that. I mean, I know it's a small amount, but over time, I think it will compound. Or put it in pre-construction, I would say. If, if you don't have the knowledge yet, you don't feel comfortable taking on, you know, tenants and whatnot, put in pre-construction. I think it will pay off by the time it's built. All right. Very cool. Great advice. Thank you for playing the lightning round. Ross, where can people reach out and find out more about you? Yeah, absolutely. So I actually have my own podcast. I forgot to put my plug in there. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So it's real estate golden nuggets. Uh, folks can find my podcast as well. And uh, you can always find me on Instagram. I'm pretty active on social media. Uh, so just my first name, Ross, R-O-S-S dot my last name, N-E-D-A-E-E. -E -E. Uh, you can find me on, on all platforms. All right. Awesome. And I always ask this at the end, any final last words of advice? I would say Definitely network. Networking is, is, is a huge component. Uh, I know like I reached out to folks like yourself, Andrew Hines, all these uh, folks that have been in the, in the game for quite some time to learn and pick your brains and attend, uh, you know, meetups like, uh, you know, the right club is a great starting point as well. You can definitely join some of those webinars uh, over there to meet these folks. And then from there, you can build a little network because trust me, if tomorrow, if I want to invest in Brantford, then I know who to reach out to. So networking is very, very key. Awesome. Thank you so much, Ross. Thanks for sharing your insights. And it was great to have you on the show. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me, Sarah. Hey guys, before you go, I wanted to ask you a question. What's stopping you from starting or growing your own real estate investment portfolio? I know for me, before I started, I had plenty of reasons and at the time they all seemed very valid. But as I started my journey, these reasons slowly fell away and eventually only one reason remained 
What was actually stopping me was having a proven, actionable, repeatable system. I didn't have that. And the way that was going to change was by investing in myself, learning, listening, and looking for ways that worked. And also, most importantly, discovering what didn't and not making those mistakes again. Fast forward to today, I now have a proven, repeatable series of action steps that has enabled me to build my seven-figure portfolio consisting of multiple homes, and I'm able to manage that in two to three hours a month. Is that something that you would want? Well, I've actually taken all the knowledge I've accumulated and put that into a comprehensive step-by-step online program. It's called Rise, and it's a program that will help you from where you are now to where you want to be faster and with less of the headaches that I had. So it consists of all the templates and the resources that I use, plus over 40 instructional videos that you get lifetime access to for just a small one-time investment. And, you know, my recommendation is to make the time now to invest in yourself and grow your portfolio to seven figures so that you can bring your retirement dreams closer. If you want some more information about Rise, just go to sarahlarby.com forward slash R-I-S-E to access more details and book your spot. Thanks so much for listening to Where Should I Invest with your host, Sarah Larby. Make sure to listen in next time. We'll catch you on the next episode of Where Should I Invest.